Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning together Toldos Shishi, the sixth Aliyah in Parashas Toldos. The topic of our Aliyah is revelation and revenge. It is a longer Aliyah of 23 Psukim, running from Perekhov Zayin Chavches to Perekhov Ches Pasuk Dalad. Let's take a look at a brief summary and then we will think about some points to ponder. So we are told now the bracha that Yitzhak gives his son, who he does not know but is actually Yaakov. The bracha is that Hashem should give from the Tala Shemaim, from the dew of the heavens and from the, the oil of the earth, all the produce to him, and nations will serve you, and you will be uh, this, this Gavir, this strong one, this master to your brother, and the, every, everybody else will bow down to you. Those who curse you will be cursed, those of you who, who you curse will be cursed, and those who you bless you will be blessed. So as he finishes his bracha, Yaakov is leaving the room, and Esav walks straight in. And he has his matamim, he has his delicacies, he, he comes up to his father and he says, My father, let's get, get up so you can eat from the, the hunting of, he, of his son. He speaks in the third person in order that you should bless me. Um, you, you should bless me. So Yitzhak says, well, who, who, are, who are you? He says, I am Esav, you're, you're, I'm your firstborn Esav. Yitzhak at this point in time experiences a terrible fear. And he says, who is this person who was just here beforehand, who brought me all these things and I blessed him. As Esav hears this, he, he calls out in the most bitter cry, a terrible, terrible cry, realizing what's happened. And he says, please bless me as well. And Yitzhak says, but I already blessed the, your, your brother. Your brother came in uh, with cunning and I gave him the bracha. Yeah, and Esav gets very, very angry. He says, that's why his name's called Yaakov. He tricked me. Yaakveni ze pamayim. He took my Bechorah and he took my blessing. The word Bechorah and Baracha are the same letters. Um, it's interesting to note. And he's now merging the, tri- the, the deal made with the Bechorah and the trick with the, uh, with, with the Baracha. He says, is there nothing left? What can, what, what can I do? So uh, 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 he, begs, he begs for one last Baracha. His father gives him this bracha, which says that you will have from the, the fatness of the earth and the dew of the heavens, you will live by your sword, but you will serve your brother. And when you will, you will, um, when you will descend, you will take his yoke off your leg. So at this point in time, he gets so this half-hearted secondary bracha. He hates Yaakov after this all goes down, and he says in his mind, in his heart, that he's going to kill Yaakov when his father will die. He wants to respect his father not to do it in his lifetime, but afterwards he's going to kill him. Rivka is aware of this, becomes aware of his intentions, and she says to Yaakov, she says, you need to get out of here because your brother's trying to kill you. Um, and she says, you have to go to Haran. In the meantime, she says, you'll stay there for a few days until the anger will subside and you can return. In the meantime, she goes off and she explains to Yitzhak, she says, I can't stand these Chittite girls that Asa have married. It's terrible. I can't continue this if Yaakov marries one of them as well. So Yitzhak now, by the guidance of his wife, calls, summons Yaakov and says, you should go to the land of Padena Aram, to the house of Besuel, who's the family, that's where your mother comes from, and you're going to get a, get a wife from there you're going to find somebody to marry from from the family but don't marry for somebody from here and Hashem will bless you and increase you and you'll be a great nation um, and you will have be a recipient of the blessings of Abraham and you uh, and they receive the lands that were promised to Abraham so very powerful very dramatic Aliyah a lot of things to think about 
Question number one that we're going to ponder is, what was so special about the brachos, which Rivka so wanted Yaakov to get, that she went through this whole ruse? What was so special about them? So Rasul actually points out that Yaakov already had traded the spiritual bracha that was des- that Esav had deserved as the, as the Bechor, as the firstborn. Yitzhak had thought that Esav would be the good recipient of the physical brachos, of the, of the brachos of material success. Ya- Yaakov had already traded the spiritual success. Esav would maintain the physical material success. He was misguided because he misjudged Esav. But Rivka understood it's possible to be both materially and spiritually blessed and navigate both of these successes. Rav Hirsch points out, just to take it a little further, that being as he had the Abrahamic blessing himself, Yitzhak, he, want, he wanted to confer that to his children, and he believed that his children would be a team. He believed he had a, he'd have a spiritual leader, and he believed he had a physical leader. Esau would be the material, physical leader, and Yaakov would be the spiritual leader. Um, and that, that would be the way it would work. However, when Rivka sets this up in a way that Yaakov even receives the material blessing, it's at this point in time that he realizes that Esau does not have a part in the legacy of his father's house in Bracha. Moving on to the next question, what was the fear that Yitzhak experienced, this Charada Gedola? Rashi says that he saw Gehenom opening in front of him. What this could mean is, is that everything he understood, everything he believed, everything he had, co- had conceived in life, was based on a certain perspective of who his children were, who he was, his, his sense of the trust in his own judgment, and all that had been upended. At this point, the rug had been pulled from underneath his feet. Nothing he had believed is the same as it was beforehand. Rivka had shown him that he's fallible to deception. Once he realized he's fallible to deception, as Rav Hirsch had pointed out, now he realizes that he had been deceived all these years by Esav. To see one's life undone in one foul moment is a very terrifying thing, something which most people cannot live with. It's the fear of not just this bad decision, but a whole lifetime which has now changed. The whole perception of lifetime which has changed, which is a terrifying thing. Now, what does it mean, God Baruch Yihia, he'll also be blessed, which is the response he says to Esau, that also he, referring to Yaakov, will be blessed. So the Svarna says that he could sense spiritually that the bracha had stuck with Yaakov. When he gave the bracha, he knew it was right. Now that he realized it was Yaakov, he, he is essentially saying, I know it was right. He gives an example, the Svarna says that in the Gemorim Brachos, when he would pray for sick people, would know whether or not the bracha had been successful, depending on the sense, his deeply spiritual sense, when he was davening. Yitzhak had that here as well. The Kleyakov makes a very fascinating observation, where he says, I've just given over the koyach habracha, I've just given over the capacity to give blessings to Yaakov, that you, those who you bless will be blessed. So I am not able, says Yitzchak, to any longer give you the blessing you need, because he is the one who now is in charge of blessing. The third possibility of Yezirashi says, and that he's really just conceding to Rivka. That means to say, Gambaruch Yeh means I will accept that she was right, and Yaakov should in fact be blessed. Rav Yaakov Kavanetsky points out in his commentary, MS Yaakov on the Torah, that every one of the Avos was tested against their grain, against their unique characteristic. Avram was a person of chesed, he was a deeply kind person, and he was asked to make a sacrifice, a terribly cruel um, action of his own, of his only son, of Yitzchak. That was his test. Yaakov was in Ish MS, was a man of truth, and his test was to have to deceive his father in order to fulfill the, the nevuah of Abraham, the Abrahamic dynasty. What about Yitzchak? Where was Yitzchak's test against his grain? Says the Emesli Yaakov, well, the idea is that Yitzchak was Gevura. Yitzchak was a man who lived by strict justice. He was a very person who was extremely planned out. He, had, he, he knew what was right, he knew what was wrong, and never shall the twain cross. The test of Gvura is what happens when you realize that what you expected enough wasn't. 
what you thought and conceived that, that it was proper is not proper. When you think that there's an Esav is the person who is one way and is actually another way. Conceding to Tarifka, Gambarochiyeh was the test against the grain of his character, which was Gevura. Another question, what is the bracha that Esav actually does receive? So Rav points out that it seems to be in the world of cause and effect. The Shem Elohim, the name of um, Hashem as is expressed in nature. You will have success, but not with providence, not with divine providence like Yaakov. Yaakov therefore would have to have it that if he acts spiritually, he receives blessing. If he doesn't act spiritually correctly, he will not receive blessing. That's providence. Esav lived in the, in the dog-eat-dog world, essentially the rat race of the world, which is, which is why he lived by the sword, because it is the world where you can only forge your own path based on your own actions without there being a relationship to God per se. Rav Hirsch actually points out that, that because he lived like that, that ultimately his only currency was conquest. His only currency was dominating other people in the, in the dog eat dog world. And in that, after do, conquering nation after nation, as Rome would ultimately do, they would find that there was no meaning or mission in what they were doing. They were just conquering for the sake of conquering, which would ultimately be the, mean that they were themselves were conquered. The Roman Empire would fall apart because it had no meaning. It had no direction, it had no mission. Yaakov was blessed with mission, which means that although he lived by the sword, he would be subservient to his brother who lived with a mission. One question over here is, how does Rivka know about Esau's plans? Rashi quotes the Barashi's Rabbah, Shed Ruach HaKadosh, because he did not say this aloud, but it was obviously inside, which was revealed to her. How could she lose both children in one day, which is what she said, I don't want to lose both children in one day. So Rashi explains that she's concerned they may fight each other and kill each other, or if one kills the other, the children of that one would avenge the death as well. She didn't want to lose both her children, so she needs to separate them. This shows you, of course, that Rivka cares deeply about both of her children, even though Asa was not the person who's going to be the seat of the future Abrahamic dynasty. She was, she was still the mother to Asa. She did not want to lose him, God forbid. How long is it that she thinks this will go on and then that, that Yaakov has to remain in exile? So Rav Sarotskin points out she thinks that it'll be Yomimachadim. Just a few days, it'll take a little bit of time for the anger to subside. It turns out that it was 34 years, 14 years in the Yeshiva Sheva Ever, another 20 years in the house of Lavon, 14 years and another 6. It really is a long time. Which goes to show you the very interesting observation. She uses the word Yamimachadim, that, that anger can fester for much longer than you ever expect, and it can be a poison you live with, which poisons all your years. So, so many years. How many decades did Esau live with that poison? But the word is also used in next week's parasha, Yamimachadim, is the, word, the way in which Yaakov conceived of his seven years of working for Rachel, who he was intended for. And that shows you a beautiful idea. Terifka, Yamei Machadim, what she thought to be a few days, actually the poison of hate turned into 34 years. But the, 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 the beauty of love can elevate years of drudgery into Yamei Machadim as well. It just shows you the difference between different feelings. Love and hate, very, very different in what they do to our conception of time. What is the repercussion of causing this pain? So it's interesting that Minchas Shai, who is a commentator usually focused on the words and the appearances of Intanach of specific words, points out that the idea of Ayitzak Tza'aka Gedola Mora, that he calls, he calls out in this deep, bitter cry, Asa, when he finds this out, is actually replicated elsewhere in Megillas Esther, where it says, when Mordechai finds out about the decree of Haman, it says, Ayitzak Tza'aka Gedola Mora, he calls out in a very bitter cry. In fact, the Medrash in Esther Rabbah explains that this is, the, this is precisely the point, that the pain that Yaakov inflicted upon Esav, even though it was a necessary pain to, to, by taking the bracha, was something which was never quite forgiven. And it waited for many, many centuries until the point where Haman, who was the progeny of Esav, would
would be the one to decree death upon all the progeny of Yaakov. And at such a point, the progeny of Yaakov, represented by Mordechai, would call out in this deep despairing cry, this bitter cry, as a reflection of the pain that had been inflicted by his patriarch upon the patriarch of Haman as well. This just goes to show you that there is always a cost, even when doing the most necessary things in life. With this, we close. In the meantime, have a wonderful and meaningful day.